Are you curious about the future and tired of doomy narrative of climate action? Do you look for smart and sustainable business ideas and believe that climate crisis is in fact an opportunity to design our reality better? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Iggy. I'm a founder of Graphics Visual Communication Studio and the host of this show. I want to welcome you to the Hyphia podcast, where in a relaxed, free-flowing conversation, I ask people who actively pursue smart and sustainable business projects to share their stories and vision for the future. Our today's guest is a co-founder and CEO of Energy Square, a company that develops wireless charging technology that is bringing revolution to the workspaces, Timothy Leken. Bonjour, Timothy. Ça va? Bonjour, Iggy. Hello, Iggy. I'm going very well, and you? Oh, I'm perfect. I'm great. Listen, uh, what is so revolutionary about your technology? So um, what we are developing is quite different from what's happening in the wireless charging industry for the past 10 years. Um, as you may have seen, every single um, device manufacturer is trying to get rid of the cables for the many electronic devices we use daily. It can be the smartphones, the laptops. And for the 10 past years, the whole industry uh, has been focused on what is called inductive charging technologies. Mm-hmm. So it's technology that use electromagnetic wave to charge devices uh, without a cable. And all these technologies have a lot of different limits. Um, and so we believe at Energy Square that all these people um, did not make the right uh, technology choice for this wireless charging technology. And what we developed at Energy Square, it's slightly uh, different it's not an inductive charging technology. It's what is called a conductive charging technology. So we're using um, contact and conductive charging um, to charge the devices without a cable. And this makes uh, the whole thing much more efficient um, in terms of user experience, um, because um, you can just place your device anywhere over a pad or a surface, and it will charge and start charging um, uh, whatever the position of the device. The charging speed will be the same as your classic cable, and the charging efficiency will also be the same as your cable, whereas um, in inductive charging technologies, you are u- losing a lot of energy between the transmitter and the receiver. Mm. So, uh, so the difference, the main difference is the inductive versus conductive approach, uh, and the electromagnetic magnetic waves. You don't you don't have that, do you? The electromagnetic waves, like on the on the on the square itself. Yes, we we don't have them. So in inductive charging, it's always the same physics behind. You have this coil in which mm-hmm. you will pass some current. And the coil will emit some electromagnetic field. And in the device, you can put a receiving coil, so another coil that will get part of this field and transmit it to the battery. And a lot of energy will be lost during uh, this transfer between the transmitting and receiving coil. It will overheat, etc. Mm-hmm. And what we did um, um, is conductive. So all you need to do as a device manufacturer, for example, is to install two small electrodes, so two conductive dots, 
on the device or in the device that you want to charge. And then you place it over a conductive, conductive surface made mm -hmm. of different conductive elements. And we'll have um, a detection system inside this surface. So we know very, very precisely what's happening on the surface. And depending on the signal we get, we can recognize if it's uh, your smartphone or your laptop or any other device that has been placed on, on the surface. And we will switch uh, the exact right voltage and amperage uh, needed by, by the device. And, and this is what is really challenging and complicated about contact or conductive charging. It is that you do not want to send energy at the wrong place and mm -hmm. at the wrong moment, otherwise, um, it can create a short uh, or a spark or um, some things that are not good for uh, the users or the devices. And this is uh, uh, the main thing that we developed, this detection system and this charge monitoring system. Wow, wow. I've got, I've got a lot of questions about uh, the system itself, but I'm, I'm very interested in what you said, that the whole industry is going towards uh, inductive charging and uh, therefore losing a lot of energy efficient like the energy efficiency is a huge factor when we talk about any startup ideas that kind of approach the climate change problem like you're you're actively uh working towards eliminating uh use useless energy essentially like and uh, yes. yeah just yes and, and so um uh, you know, all the users of devices in the world want to get rid of, of cables. So uh, wireless charging uh, or cableless charging will happen anyway because it's a need from the users and we, we need more ergonomic devices. And um, if the whole industry concentrates um, on a standard that lo that loses 30% of energy every time you charge that your, is insane. Or your laptop. Wow. Uh, for one smartphone, it's okay. But once you get billion smartphones with that, it represents a lot of energy loss. And it's even worse for a laptop or for a car. Uh, imagine if all electric vehicles were charged with inductive charging, uh, you would lo lost a lot, a lot of energy in that process. Why, why, do, why do you think people went that direction with inductive versus conductive? Um, there are different um, answers, but I think from an engineer point of view, when you think about wireless and wireless charging, you think directly about um, electromagnetic waves or um, laser or things over distance. Mm -hmm. And so all the engineers working on that in the world uh, focused on technologies uh, that allow devices to be charging over a certain distance. Mm -hmm. With induction, it can be two to three centimeters, for example, and with electromagnetic waves. And the second reason is that um, conductive charging, uh, we already have it for the cables, for example, a cable it's conductive, but it's very, challenging and complicated to um, to do that on a two-dimensional surface mm -hmm. because of the um, um, issue I, I told uh, at the beginning of this conversation of that you don't want to send energy at the wrong place and at mm -hmm. the wrong um, moment. So you, so you need a system like yours to, to, to know exactly what kind of device there is, how much like energy it needs? 
Yes, and you also need a charge monitoring system because when your laptop is charging, for example, imagine you spill some coffee on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you you want to be able to detect that there is a liquid between the part of the uh, charging pad that is activated and to stop the charging immediately uh, because otherwise a liquid plus conductive charging, yeah. it's, it's not so good, <laughs> not a good uh, or a conductive object, etc. But what's interesting also is that I think um, the main companies that developed wireless charging technology, they thought about uh, technology and the, the kind of technology they would develop, but not on the uh, use case and user perspective. They did not develop what users want. They developed just new technologies that they thought would be accepted by the users. And, and we had a different perspective. Um, the, at the very beginning of the project, five years ago, we asked ourselves the questions, okay, how do we use the devices? Mm-hmm. And it's quite obvious that your smartphone and your laptop, they spend the whole day on flat uh, surfaces, or your mm-hmm. desk or your nightstand. And so if you want to provide them energy without a cable, it might good, be a good idea to use this time and to use the concept of surface to charge it. And the issue is that with induction, you cannot char- charge over a surface. You can charge only over a single point. Mm-hmm. And so this is why also we choose conduction and not induction because conduction lets us charge over a, a two-dimensional area with a total freedom of placement for the devices. Wow. So yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Surfaces. Like I, I have a desk over here, and I, I, I was thinking about the your your product and what you're doing, and. I was really curious if you've been thinking about some kind of development, like from a business perspective, like taking your idea and really putting it in side by side with like a furniture maker, you know, like people who make tables, you know, Ikea, for example, you know. Yes, and this is exactly what we are trying to do. So our business model um, is to provide our technology as a license. Uh, we, we don't want to manufacture devices ourselves. Mm-hmm. We really want to, to push our standard forward and to work uh, directly with device manufacturers so that they can embed this technology. And the challenge is that we need uh, different industries to uh, talk and to synchronize together around this technology because um, uh, you need to have the tables or the desks or the meeting room tables equipped um, Mm -hmm. in an office, for example. And to do so, we need to work with uh, furniture manufacturers, with um, electric uh, modules manufacturers, the ones that design uh, classic plugs uh, that are embedded into uh, the desks, for example. And we also need to talk with uh, uh, the uh, electronic device manufacturers. And all of them need to have the same specification for mm-hmm. the technology for it to work. So it's, I think, really the main challenge of, of what we are doing to, to make all gotcha. these people work together. Yeah, you, you need to like get people on the same plane from so many different industries. I it's a it's a, it's an ambitious goal, but I, I I see a lot of like I see a lot of sense to it. Like I can imagine when you talk with people about this idea with potential investors, what do you hear from them? Um, so I think the strength of the project is that everyone understands uh, the use case and how it may be helpful to 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 get more ergonomics um, 
for uh, the devices we use daily. Um, and I think the most important thing, thing in what we are doing is to uh, stay focused on one very particular thing because mm -hmm. we have thousands of applications of such a technology oh, yeah. and we are a small company. So if we decide to do everything at the same time, um, nothing will work properly and, uh, and the technology will go nowhere. So the main point when we talk to um, uh, investors particularly is also to show that we have chosen one single application. We are putting all of our energy onto that application and we are not doing everything at the same time. And mm -hmm. I think it's very important from a strategic point of view. And this is why we decided to target um, in the past two years, the laptop industry mm -hmm. and the workspace application, because um, it was the application that makes the most uh, sense for us. And the laptop industry is quite particular, but uh, it's very difficult for inductive charging to charge the laptops. Mm -hmm. And this is also why we decided to go oh, there yeah. first. Great stuff. Uh, so. I know you've been doing Kickstarter campaign and it, it, I've seen the video. Uh, there was a use case where you've been uh, promoting this kind of uh, thing that you would put on a phone, like uh, like, um, and, like a uh, small, small yeah, like a small adapter on the phone. Yeah. Is this something you're still developing? Because you've got an energy square as, as like yeah. a technology, but that was like a particularly for phones, right? Yes. And, and um we are still developing it uh, with the device manufacturers. Um, when they want to embed the technology, they also need to consider to produce adapters for existing devices. Mm -hmm. And this is what we are doing for laptops, for example. Uh, we have developed different prototypes and shapes um, of dongles that you just install under your laptop. Uh, you just plug it to the USB Type-C or other mm -hmm. part of the laptop and it makes any laptop on the market compatible. Uh, and we did the same thing with smartphones. And uh, of course, when we talk to smartphone or laptop manufacturers, we propose uh, both ways. So direct integration or adaptation of existing devices. Mm -hmm. And what's the, what's the, what's the uh, uh, what do they say? Because I, I can tell you one thing just before you answer that if I knew there was a, uh, company that is selling both tables or like at some kind of like you know spaces i i have that problem myself right i the way to the, the way to the, get to the socket is so uh hard in the place where i sit that putting a laptop next to me that is automatically charging and requires me just to buy a dongle that i plug into my laptop and some kind of like that would be huge like I'll yes and, and um, you don't want to buy a new laptop just for this feature. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. um, I think it's key to have both. And this is also what, one of our advantages uh, of our technology. And this is really something we've been working on um, to miniaturize and, and to, to make the components that need to be embedded into the device very small mm -hmm. so that it can also be embedded on an adapter with a very ergonomic uh, shape. Um, and because if it's a big adapter, um, uh, extra large, etc., uh, people will not uh, install it on their smartphone or laptop. So it needs to be very tiny and you don't want to, to notice there is an adapter on your laptop or smartphone. You have to 
to forget about it when you're using the technology. That would, that would be so sweet to like every time I plug in a uh, display, like a monitor display, there's always this problem. And I'm just looking around my desk right now and I see all those different devices. I, I see keyboard, I see mouse. Do yeah. you see that? Do you see that as a few like the next steps, like to, to make it possible to just, yeah. just get rid of the cables like entirely? Exactly. And so our main objective is to provide the total uh, USB connection over contact, so by conduction, not only for the charging, but for the data also. Mm -hmm. And today we are working with different um, Wi-Fi 6 standards that are currently being developed and that let you um, display your laptop uh, screen over some monitors uh, with Wi-Fi uh, mm -hmm. and with a very good uh, latency, etc. And so if you combine our technology with this technology, it means that you don't have any cable anymore on your desk because you just place your laptop, it starts charging automatically, and then the screen connects to the monitors. And we can even make the link between these two technologies because in our system, we have a unique ID um, detection of each device. So mm -hmm. each device has a, a small piece of code that is uh, unique. And so when I put my laptop uh, on my desk, the charger will recognize that it's my laptop and not the one of my colleague. And it will send this information to the Wi-Fi system behind saying, okay, it's a good, the good laptop. You can uh, make the automatic connection. And so the screen will be shared automatically to the monitors. Wow. So this is what we are developing and we are Ooh. really excited about that. Wow, that is that is so futuristic. And you save energy doing that. That is amazing. Yeah, so we we um we we have the same energy consumption as a cable, but mm -hmm. compared to other wireless charging technology, we um uh, we save uh, energy, yes. How why energy? What, why, why, why this particular field? What, what got you into this? Um, so everything started uh, in a student project um, six years ago. Uh, so with Daniel and Mathieu, the, the other co-founders of Energy Square, and there was a challenge called Art Science Prize in our school, and the goal was to bring engineers and designers together to come with something new, if it wasn't possible uh, technically to come with new ideas and to, to try to prototype it very fast. And so our um, subject for this year was uh, energy. Mm -hmm. And we had a particular topic, which was energy cloud. So a cloud of energy, how do we make energy uh, available everywhere? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the main idea and what we tried to, to, to push was how uh, do we get energy with our smartphones and laptops the same way we get access to data today. So without cables and with seamless uh, connection. And so we, we studied how we are using devices and we realized they spent a lot of time on surfaces. And this is how we started developing this technology that could charge the devices over a surface. So everything uh, started with this uh, student uh, challenge. What, and so, well, first of all, that is awesome. Like six, six years ago, and like yeah. I'm going strong for six years. Wow, that is a good idea. 
Listen, but the energy cloud, that is a that is an interesting uh perspective. Do you see that happening at some point in the future? I'm particularly interested in the in the use case where we have drones. Like that's the mm. typical problem that there is right now that the the lithium batteries on the drones are usual like the bigger the battery the bigger the drone the heavier it gets like it's 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 a messed up problem but yeah. do you see that kind of uh do you see any kind of innovation that is going in that direction where we have really truly wireless charging over big distances like is that is that possible um I don't believe in wireless charging over big distances um, because of the laws of physics. Um, and um, it's very difficult to send a high amount of energy within a big distance uh, because it creates tons of problems of overheating, safety, mm -hmm. uh, etc., and interference. Uh, but I think that for the drone industry, um, what is needed is a way of charging without an operator and without someone that needs to plug in the drone every yeah. 30 or uh, 30 minutes or an hour. So if you have a drone with an automatic charging stations, and if you have a program that says to the drone that every time it needs energy, it can land automatically on the station and start charging automatically, it would be a, already a great advantage for this uh, uh, drone industry. Interesting. Interesting. I wonder how would how, how would it work like to have like that kind of like it would have to you would have to essentially redesign the drone so whenever it lands in any kind of situation you know it's maybe maybe people are working on something like that. I, 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 yes, I, I would imagine. Yeah. I would yes, imagine. it's uh, um, it, it's something that we are considering as a target uh, market. Um, mm -hmm. And as I say, we, we cannot do everything on the same time. So it's not our uh, main target right now, but the use case is interesting because, and it's the same thing for electric vehicles. Uh, you don't want an, a, a user to plug it in uh, every time you need uh, energy. And so we need new solutions for um, charging the de devices without without knowing that it is charging and with without a, an interface mm -hmm. uh, a cable interface nice uh so i i, I kind of started this question but we went on a different tangent the kickstarter experience you've started the like you put the whole company on a kickstarter at some point what, what's your experience with kickstarting and the kickstarter um, i really loved this experience so it was in 2017 um, there is a huge uh, preparation work. Um, it took us six months to full time to prepare the campaign. Wow. And um, in fact, um, everything happens before the campaign is launched. So when you push on the button, um, you, uh, you cannot uh, have a lot of means for the campaign to go uh, higher or uh, everything is already set. And this is what we don't see when we uh, see Kickstarter campaigns. We look at the campaigns and we say, oh, they just launched it and uh, it's everywhere uh, and it's uh, etc. And the preparation work is a, a huge task. Um, and so you have both to prepare, uh, of course, the page and the video and to, to make the marketing great for and to have a clear message. But the most important part is to have hundreds of people ready to 
mm. uh, support your campaign when you push on the button. And so uh, you have to create um, a community of people that are interested, that will know exactly when you are launching your campaign, what kind of advantage it can have, um, what the product will do. <clears throat> um, you may even involve them in uh, building some specific features or at least choosing what feature is important for the product. And so during the, I think with the first uh, 20 minutes or 30 minutes of the campaign, you can know um, with a good margin of error what it will uh, reach after one month. Wow. So just to say that the, the, the launch is key. And yeah, it's a little bit stressful when you push on the button because in 20 minutes, you will know if uh, the efforts you've done in six months will be, uh, uh, <clears throat> will have some results uh, or not. I, 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 I don't know. I, I didn't check it, but did you, did you manage to get the goal that you set out for on the Kickstarter? Yes. Uh, so I think we uh, sold about 1,500 uh, products. Uh, which was uh, very good. Our target was to sell around 500 products. And so it let us uh, manufacture and, and deliver these products. And we were very proud of it because a lot of Kickstarter campaign uh, uh, failed and don't find the, the mean to uh, industrialize uh, the product. And so we needed uh, one year and a half uh, from the end of the campaign to the delivery, which is... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think an average, uh, but we were very proud to deliver a box with our product to uh, the people that acquired it. And um, even the product was not uh, perfect uh, to, to, to send something that works and that answers to, to the needs of um, uh, the users. It was very exciting also. Hardware startups. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The, the struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you manufacture the product in Europe or in China or? Um, it was in uh, in Shenzhen, so in uh, China. Okay. Uh, and um, after this campaign, actually, after delivering the products um, at the beginning of 2018, uh, we decided. Um, so we we had a first fundraising with investors in France. And we decided to change our um, uh, strategy and really to consider what we were doing from a technology point of view and not from a product point of view. Mm -hmm. And so at this moment, we, we, we knew that um, it was very hard to bring a new product for a market, on the market for a small team and to make it successful. And we really saw... Um, the demand from um, our technology from the device manufacturers. They wanted to embed it into some devices. And so we decided to go on a license only uh, model mm -hmm. and to focus on our main knowledge, which is the electronics and the firmware and not so much the industrial processes. Smart choice. I mean, I, I don't really know that much about it, but it, it sounds like a very good idea just to focus on that part. So. Knowing all that, knowing having that experience of producing your own hardware, having that decision made that you're going licensing route, what is the next step? You're the CEO. What's the what? What are the next steps in the path of like Energy Square? Um, 
Um, so in terms of technology, uh, it's to be able to add connectivity together with uh, charging. So to have a full wireless charging and connectivity uh, technology and experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that way, we can create a full wireless um, desk, uh, as we told uh, at the beginning. And then from a business perspective, um, it's to have the whole laptop industry involved in what we are doing and uh, choosing our technology as a standard for uh, their laptops, either by direct integration or by um, adapters. And then uh, step by step to become a standard in other industries. Um, so there are the consumer devices. Uh, that is a huge use case. It's not only the smartphone, it can be the Bluetooth headset, um, electronic cigarettes, um, uh, small speakers. You have a, a ton of uh, small devices that you need to uh, plug in every day or every week. And there are also the professional devices. Um, so it can be a power tool uh, in a garage. Um, it can be a, a tablet in a warehouse. And there are tons of applications where people just lose time uh, plugging in their devices. And so this is the luck we have to have so many possible applications, but we have to choose it uh, wisely. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about the use case in, in the bathroom where you have like a, you know, a hair dryer, you've got a, a shaving uh, machine and you've yeah. got like a toothbrush that is electric and usually like you have to find enough plugs. So yeah. the first thing that you said about this, this wireless table, so I, if I understand correctly, you're not just talking about having uh, this, this surface that is charging devices, but also the whole table is kind of like wireless, wirelessly, like is not connected to like, is that, can you? Uh, so, so you need to have a power source somewhere. So the table itself um, or the accessory on the table will be plugged to a classic outlet to get the uh, a source of energy. But then the idea, what we want to do is on your desk to be able to charge both uh, your laptop, your headset, uh, your smartphone, your keyboard, if you have a, a Bluetooth keyboard. And not only to be able to charge it, but to uh, connect everything together, um, either with other standards or directly within our uh, technology. And especially for the laptop, um, because Today, on a classic uh, desk, you have this USB Type-C cable that you mm -hmm. plug on your laptop and that is used both for uh, charging and for data connectivity. And so um, it doesn't make sense if we only remove uh, the charging part because we also need to remove the, the data part of, the, oh, yeah. of this no, connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And this is why we want to uh, have <clears throat> data transfer in parallel of uh, charging in our technology. And it's key for the users to have both, especially on a workspace application. All right. So if I, well, if I were interested as like an individual uh, or like a business to buy a license from you and then start manufacturing stuff, is that something I can do right now? Or like, if I, can I literally just buy a license from you? Like, uh, yes. So we, you know, model, we have, um, um, a kind of classic li licensing agreement. And mm -hmm. this is a way we are um, uh, usually working with our customers. Uh, the first step is to make some um, uh, samples. So we have a lab in Paris, in France, 
uh, we receive the samples from our customers. It can be a, a laptop, uh, a smartphone, uh, mm -hmm. a power tool, anything. We embed the technology into this sample and we send it back to um, our customers uh, with a, a charging pad or a charging uh, transmitter. They will test it in their lab. And then if they want to uh, embed it in their next products, we signed uh, a licensing agreement. Uh, and so um, we will help them in a first step um, uh, design products embedding our technology. So we will send um, electronic schematics, layouts, mm -hmm. our know-how, etc. And then um, uh, during the mass production phase, we will let them exploit our patent uh, portfolio. Mm. Because this is also something that is key in what we are doing to have a strong uh, intellectual property because at the end, this is what we are selling um, yeah. the IP on our uh, technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> wow, like it's an interesting problem because you've got so many opportunities, but you still have to focus to really, like you're, you're small enough that you really have to be laser focused on laptops and like desks and stuff. But at the same time, like if you're talking about energy efficiency and if you combine all the like efficiencies you're going to collect uh, just by going conductive versus in, in, in induction uh, modes, do you are, are you looking for like a government funding at the same time like are you like searching for like grants or stuff like that um so in france we are uh, very lucky because um we have a lot of support from um the governmental uh, bank mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, bpi and that supports um a lot of uh, startups with grants or loans or different uh, funding processes um, and so, but our main uh, source of funding is private funding today. Mm -hmm. So in 2018, we did our first fundraising with uh, French uh, business angels. Um, so people that have, uh, uh, that want to invest in some companies and help the companies and, and provide some advice, etc. And it, at the beginning of 2020, we raised uh, with Partech, which is a French uh, VC, mm -hmm. and that really helped us um, uh, grow and, and scale uh, the company and be able to have different uh, technology transfers with different device manufacturers at the same time. And so, yes, it was a, a, so a great you've got, push a, you've got enough money. Is that, that's what you're saying? Yeah, you've got yes. money. Yes. Yes, and I think um, uh, there is a, a lot of uh, funding available um, in Europe for startup at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there are a lot of uh, funds um, on each step. So from the very seed step uh, where you need uh, funds to just create a prototype and, and launch a, a new uh, business over an ID to the largest fund where you need to, to scale with a, tens of millions of euros. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very a good moment to to start a company in Europe because you have a lot of uh, different funding uh, means. Yeah, that, that is an interesting topic you, you're touching upon. Uh, but I'm particularly interested in the energy aspect, energy mm -hmm. industry itself. Uh, do you do you personally see a lot of uh, innovation happening on a, maybe not a grand scale energy innovation in Europe, but 
solutions like your like yours you know um so um what we see is that for example on, on the battery topic um when you see the battery performance in the past um 20 years um there has been some improvements but it's quite slow mm -hmm. and the batteries today they are not uh, 20 or 100, uh, 100 times more performance than the battery we had 20 years ago because, uh, again, of the laws of physics and because um, the most efficient solutions are sometimes working in the, uh, laboratories, but when you bring it to mass production, it's not stable or it's not durable. And so it evolves uh, very slowly for the battery industry. Um, and then um for the um larger energy sector because we are at the very end of the energy yeah. chain yeah, yeah. Uh, we are on very small voltages and and amperage and for the big ones um uh, i think i i see a lot of things uh happening uh and for sure there are a lot of opportunities because um energy would be the the, the key topic for the uh, uh, coming years and so there are a lot of sorts of investments in this field from Europe and from uh, the countries. So, yeah. yeah, it is. It there's a lot of movement, especially with like stuff like hydrogen, for example, or uh, well, the solar panels, the the wind technologies. All that stuff is like, yeah, your particular solution is the, at the end the user. But at the same time, yeah, we could we could we could go to this topic right now, which is. The, the the main topic the the climate uh, change and uh, well the negative aspects of climate change do you what's your personal position on the climate change and you know like what do you feel and what do you see when you hear climate change it's a, a very hard uh, a question um so um I, I read a lot of things uh, and um, about about that, and I really think we have to uh, take it from um, a, a scientific perspective, and uh, not from uh, uh, there are a lot of media effects and um, announces of things that um, um, are only here to um, uh, to 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 say that some companies or some governments are um, uh, pushing some projects forward. But when you look at the numbers behind, you realize uh, it will not save energy or it will just create um, uh, an energy waste sometimes uh, somewhere and not in our countries, but in others. So I think we really have to look at it from a, a very factual perspective. Mm -hmm. And this is what is hard to do because um, in energy flux, or even when you create a product, it's very hard to know um, what, how much energy is needed for each step and where energy is lost at each step. Uh, and I think we really have to, to have this scientific and factual uh, analysis of both climate change and uh, the energy solutions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the so you see a, pr a lot of problem about like uh, inefficiencies in the system, 
that's that's what I read from you. That when whenever you when whenever you have a product or a a set of products or set of services and you come up with them, you don't have a clear answer whether they are you know net positive, like they are bringing you know a, a positive. Uh, like we don't need we change old product yeah. for the new product and this new product is so much more efficient on all the stages of of both production and also delivery uh, exactly i see and, that and as a huge problem i have not thought about it yeah and even uh, i think a lot of time when you look at an article talking about new solutions being brought on uh, on the market for example for energy uh, production uh, the first reaction is to say, oh, it's great, uh, it's um, renewable energy, etc. But then when you look at the numbers behind and at the facts, uh, you realize that some energy sources um, may have some um, impact that we didn't forecast it. And, um, and the, the, the whole global solution is worse uh, than what existed before. And so I think we really need to have this systemic uh, thought and perspective, and especially in the uh, political choices, because, for example, in France or in uh, Europe, we have huge fundings for energy and uh, to, to, to fight against uh, climate change. And so when the fundings are so huge, um, I, I think the list of things is to to do this calculation and to to forecast the, all the impacts that one technology choice will have on the whole system. Because if we just say, okay, we are going to put renewable anywhere, everywhere uh, without thinking about the, these details, um, it might create a perverse uh, aspects uh, behind that we didn't forecast. Mm -hmm. So I think it's uh, the, the main point of um, uh, making the math uh, every time you bring a new solutions and to forecast all the possible impacts it, it can have on the, on the whole system. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's very difficult uh, to do, but um, I think it's a main important uh, thing. Well, I, I, see, I see a lot of um, the way you handle your business with licensing. You, 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 made, you made a conscious decision to go with licensing instead of like producing your own hardware. And I, like you kind of, uh, decided not to have that problem, right? Like you sell technology, uh, but you're not like responsible for the hardware itself. I'm 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 mentioning that because I I I, I don't know if this is hundred percent true, but I heard that there's a huge problem with solar panels and recycling so solar panels after the twenty years of use. And the same goes for like wind turbines. Like everybody's suddenly jumping on this bandwagon of like installing uh all that renewable uh sources of energy everywhere but suddenly in, you know within 20 years uh we're gonna have to like do something with things that are impossible to recycle for example so yes and, and um um i think in our particular sector um it's important also to take that into account the recycling of uh, electronic devices and we need to put it in the in the guidelines we give to device manufacturers also, and to have a, a reflection uh, about it. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think that um, uh, the electronic industry um, knows that they have to improve themselves on that. Um, and so um, it's in the mindset or 
it's it begins to be in the mindset of, of um, uh, electronic device manufacturers, I believe. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the, so the climate change, you're saying a lot of problem lies with technology not being obviously good or bad. It's just like mm -hmm. everybody's trying to do a lot of like good stuff, but yeah. I get it. It's it's not easy to, to to assess that. But do you think, as 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 a public uh, in Europe, in here in Europe, do you think uh, the climate change and the climate crisis is being taken seriously? Um, it's a, also a difficult uh, question. Um, I think that um, we we now we have the. Uh, a lot of proven facts, and I think that most people admit that uh, climate change is happening, and we have a lot of um, documentation and scientific facts uh, about it. Um, and then coming to um, the solutions or the decisions that are taken by the, by the uh, politics, um, I think we are only in, at the beginning of the beginning, uh, but the choices are very always very hard to do because you always have to or sometimes you 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 need to take strong actions that will at the moment uh penalize um some groups of people or some industries and you might see it uh, as a choice sometimes between uh, employment on and uh, green solutions mm -hmm. and i think it's a uh, most difficult things to do for um, the politics uh, to to see the bigger picture and to to be able to promote uh, these solutions as a, a way also to create uh, new jobs and that will replace the ones that would be lost in other industries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I keep coming back to this whole approach about a uh, whole, whole point about climate change. The, the narrative of it is really misaligned with what it really is and the way mm -hmm. it is being portrayed that's what i mean that's partly why i'm so fascinated by technology like like yours where it's it really is about like bringing the future closer and you know having that future from jetsons where every you live in a comfortable life surrounded by technology that makes everything awesome and amazing and easy but at the same time kind of like makes climate change not really um apocalyptic conversation it's it's not like that's 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 me personally i see that we have to employ a lot of technology and we have to like talk about technology but at the same time have this this distinction between a good technology and a bad technology yes and yeah and yeah. I, I think you just i to, to add to it i think you've made a very valid point that the difference between good and bad technology is just the measurement of of the impact of it exactly and, and it's not always obvious um i mean for a lot of technologies it's uh, very difficult to measure the impact for a smartphone, for example. Uh, it needs a lot of energy to be produced and a lot of components, and some of them might not be recycled. But maybe when you use uh, your smartphone to get informed about climate change, you will change um, some habits you had. So um, just with that simple device that is a smartphone, it's very difficult to know the impact it will have um, on this subject because it's a source of pollutions, but at the same time, it's a source of information to 
take conscience of that and to uh, take action. So just with this simple device, you see that um, it's really hard to do the math uh, of the impacts of each technology. Yeah, you're mixing uh, two things, the tangible, which is the energy consumption, and intangible, which is like the information you get. And you, exactly. you get the information about, for example, the way you use, I don't know, like some habits that you can form, and that kind of influences a lot of like different other stuff using that kind of small device. It's a yeah. weird and problem. It's a weird problem. It's the same thing for the internet, actually. It, it consumes a lot of uh, energy. I yeah. think it's two to three percent of the global energy, uh, so it's huge. Uh, but at the same time, it, it brings information to everyone to create more energy efficient uh, solutions mm -hmm. and to 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 spread this information. So, I I I read there was a there was a great book about uh, how uh, the title was how much banana how much banana is producing. Uh, how much carbon dioxide is banana production producing something like that it was a list of the things from uh, messages on your phone to new buildings or new swimming pools mm -hmm. how much carbon dioxide or carbon uh, dioxide equivalent they produce and i remember reading that if you were to somehow make spam email go away you would save so much energy just because of the servers that have to run to to send that stuff and uh yeah i remember one solution that i i, I loved was to put uh like a email like a stamp like one pay one uh one euro cent for a for an yeah. email or something like that yeah and there are um actually some projects about that to uh show uh in terms of uh, physics and material, uh, what is the equivalent of um, an email or watching a video? Um, and uh, it, it could be good to generalize this also to when, maybe when you receive an email, you see it's the same footprint than, I don't know, um, uh, producing a, a sheet of paper or anything, I don't know. When you will look at a video, it's the same thing. So. Um, and that's the same for every object because when you buy, um, I don't know, a, a laptop or a mice, uh, you don't know uh, how much energy it's uh, consumed compared to uh, maybe running one kilometer with a car or uh, oh, yeah. you know, simple, simple metrics. And I heard there were some projects about it, but I think it could be a good thing to generalize this. True, true. I, I, I heard about this idea of putting um, labels on the products uh, that kind of show you how much carbon dioxide emissions they produce, you know, so people get more familiar with an idea. That kind of leads me to, to the question, like from, from your perspective, you, you know, if we have 10 years right now, essentially, to, to avoid uh, like every science, uh, every scientific body is talking about roughly a period of 10 years before we start like if, if we keep doing what we are doing without like changing majorly some parts of our economy the, the way we consume stuff then within 10 years something bad's gonna happen first of all what do you think needs to change like the first thing like well what is the solution to climate change timothy <laughs> uh, <laughs> no I, I think the uh, the main point is uh, energy and uh, 
uh, how do you produce um, energy? Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really the first stone to, to everything. Um, and uh, someday the, the, the uh, stocks of uh, uh, oil and, uh, and other fossil energy will uh, uh, start decreasing. And so uh, I, I think this day we'll, we'll have to find other ways to produce energy. And so uh, I think it should really be the main uh, focus for um, uh, the people that are doing political choices to mm -hmm. research on new innovative ways to uh, create energy. And I know in France, for example, there is a, this international project on um, nuclear uh, fusion, mm -hmm. uh, but it takes uh, uh, dozens of years to, to complete. But um, I think it's very important to, to put some, uh, uh, some money on this, uh, and to invest on this kind of project because it's really the keystone to uh, the whole rest of it. And then the second aspect is how do we uh, spend less energy as a, uh, as a society? Um, and, and when I talk about energy, it's also uh, uh, carbon footprint and emissions. Um, and uh, uh, this part, uh, it's difficult to give one answer because for every particular field you have, Tons, tons of uh, different uh, answers and ways to handle it. So, um, and uh, and it takes experts um, in each field to decide what's good or, or not. But I believe that um, the producing of energy is uh, is the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah, I agree with you. I mean, also food is like food, water, and like yeah. mit mitigation of like all those aspects of climate change. But yeah, the energy, the, the, the problem with energy is just, it's so overwhel overwhelmingly huge and diverse and the politics come into play. And I just, I get nauseated, I, you know, I want to, I get nauseated when I think about the politics and the, the, the time it takes for a politics to take action. Like the politics, from my perspective, they work in, in a different time scale right the politics can influence uh behavioral changes in in society but i keep finding out uh during those podcast calls with people you know see, seeing about like seeing those ideas and hearing about all those all those all those opportunities that it really is a problem that has to be solved uh by an innovation uh mixed with cultural change that mm -hmm. is like this and we are talking essentially about younger people doing mm. that because the old yeah, people, they don't want to change stuff that you know used to work for so many years mm. just just because something is not going to happen in 100 years yeah, exactly and i think it's really a choice from the people more than a choice from the politics and um the politics they will follow uh if 80 percent of uh, society is convinced that we need to take strong action uh, I think it will be followed by uh, the politics, and this is the way it's going to to happen. I think uh, yeah. to take the harder decisions. Of course, yeah. Well, this podcast is a part of the solution. I can I can assure you that if we can if we can influence one person by hearing your ideas and you know your perspective, that's going to be enough. 
So let me ask you the the thing that I ask everybody on this show is if you had 30 seconds 30 seconds of everyone's attention on a planet uh what would you say to people um i would say to uh be curious uh and um to try to understand um the different things um that are happening around us and to be factual and to um look really closely at, at the numbers and uh, at the implications on uh, a decision and not just at the decision itself. Yeah. Nice. Listen, Timothy, if people want to connect with you or work with you in your company or as a contractor with your company, how can they can do that? Uh, directly on our website. Um, so energysquare.co. Uh, and you, there is an address to contact us or a, a small formula to, to get in touch. Perfect. And you're also on LinkedIn, right? Like if, yes, if people yes. want to find you. Exactly. Amazing. Uh, listen, I, I want to thank you for your time. It's been an interesting conversation, especially hearing about your technology, your plans. Uh, I, I would love to have this conversation one more time sometimes in the future. To, to yeah. you know, to hear about developments that you had, opportunities, challenges, and see you know how you holding up. It's it's a fight to yeah. be in that kind of industry. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, you know hardware is hard. This is what what they say. So uh, you you need to have always uh, uh, energy to, to fight and to and it's very long term uh, cycle. So um, you know we've been launching it for five years. And uh, and you you need to keep uh, fighting and to to believe in what you do to find uh, the energy to to continue. And thanks a lot for inviting me in that podcast. It was really a pleasure to to talk to you, uh, Iggy, today. Thank you. It it is a pleasure to talk to you. I I love technology. I love technology that brings hope into conversation. And yeah, well, thank you. And see you next time. See you next time. Thanks. Hey you, thanks for staying with us till the end. Do you have a business or an idea you'd like to share with the world on this podcast? If you do, don't hesitate to go to our website, hyphia.com. It's H-Y-P-H-E-A.com and fill in the simple form. Take care and see you on the next one.